Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Modern Homemakers. This is 2020. We're about five or six months into the pandemic. Things seem to be improving, and then I watched a bit of the news. I hope you're watching a bit of the news, but not too much of the news. And could I recommend, someone called me the other day and said, could you tell me how you watch the news? And I thought, Word has traveled that I watch the news in an odd way, and I do watch the news in an odd way. I watch the news by going to the extremities of the position. And as you know, in our country, there's a right and a left, and it doesn't matter where you are, and even if you're right in the middle, there's still a right and a left, and the right left, and in these days, the right voice and the left voice are getting louder and louder and less kind and less caring. And so I've always listened to both voices. My husband, I can remember when we got DVDing, no, DVRing, DVRing, when there was some piece of equipment on our television for the first time that you could copy something that was going on while you were watching something else. He said, this is made for you. And I said, what? What is made for me? And he said, when every year, every four years when we have our political conventions to nominate our president, when those events were going on, I wanted to be watching both sides, the right side news and the left side news, so I could see. But I couldn't because I only had one television. And I don't even think I had a remote control in those days. And so now I, he could record one while I was watching the other. I watch them all. I watch all the primary debates, and I watch all the people who are trying to become the candidate for the, in the national elections. Uh, why do I do that? Well, first of all, I'm very interested in it. But I'm also very interested in knowing for myself who's saying what about what. And I don't think it's possible for the average American to get the real story. In some ways, I think that's why I am a citizen who elects someone who can handle the real story and deal with it in a way that I would agree with. That's why I'm a citizen and they're elected officials. So all of that to say, how is it I watch the news? Or how is it I watch the pundits after the debates? Well, now it's easy because I can DVR it. So I go to a right station and to a left station. I watch one and record the other, and then I hear. Now, it's not surprising that if you're watching the right station, they're going to say their right candidate did very well and the left candidate didn't do so well and vice versa. So I think that um, that idea of watching the news not only is a good idea for all of us, but I also think limiting how much news you watch. So I want to remind you of the welcome prayer, which we offered and is available on our website. This is certainly a time to welcome, 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 welcome everything that God is bringing to us. He is still ultimately in charge. In a recent show that I titled Call to Care, I spoke about the invisible God and the Spirit becoming visible in us in the signs of Christ, as the signs of Christ. And as I was thinking that, I was thinking about something I'd read recently about 
a woman whose name was Susanna, Susanna, and she was uh, born in 1669, not 1969, 1669. I want you to get the full effect of that. And I thought, that was interesting that I was interested in something about someone who was born that long ago. And I think you'll find this interesting too, because most of the audience that we have here at Modern Homemakers are women. This woman, born 350 years ago, has a name we all recognize and did the work most women in our audience has done or is doing or will do. So some years ago, I did a series on women that were used of God and gave glimpses of the life of this Susanna. Her name was Susanna Wesley, and she was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who are the founders of Methodism. But as I was reading this portion of whatever book I was reading about Susanna, I thought to myself, she had... There are so many parallels, and how can there be so many parallels in 350 years space of time? So that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk for a minute about the parallels between this woman who lived 350 years ago and you, the woman who lives today. Her father, Dr. Samuel Ainsley, and her mother had 24 other children. She was one of 25. Actually, she was the last child, the baby child of 25. And can't you imagine? They were saying, oh, goodness, oh, thank goodness, oh, my goodness. Or were they, oh, no, we'll never have any other. Who knows how they were responding. But I'll tell you, whenever I read that or think about it, I, I I feel frozen. I feel frozen in time, and and I, I and that's 350 years ago. Susanna demonstrates what God in the daily details of life looks like, and I'm struck with that every time I take a look at her life. Her daily tasks, which included in her own life, bearing 19 children, only. 10 of them surviving. So she went through the loss of nine children, nine miscarriages, nine children who were born and died, leaving her to raise 10 other children. Hmm. What would make her any different than you today or me? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying what makes her different, but I want to say to you that the enormous task of daily living for her with the importance and value of each act is just as important as it is to you today. I found a recorded prayer of hers that I'd like to read to you. It starts with, quote, Help me, Lord, to remember that religion is not to be confined to the church or closet, not exercised in prayer and meditation, but that everywhere I am in thy presence. So my so may my ever word and action have a moral content. May all the happenings of my life prove useful and beneficial. May all things instruct me and afford me an opportunity of exercising some virtue and daily learning and growing toward thy likeness. End of quote. Amen. Susanna was considered a very precocious child. Was she the precocious child because she was the baby child and they coddled her into that, or was she a precocious child? 
A woman in her day could not attend college, but she received, especially through her father, a substantial home education. Her dad had an MA and an LLD from Queens College, and he was very, very proactive in Susanna's life, in her education. She learned logic, metaphysics, anatomy, French, Latin, and Greek. Okay? 350 years ago. You do the math of what was available 350 years ago. She had a nickname that was, quote, a theologian in short dresses. Now, her dresses were not very short, but they were not robes. And in those days, theologians wore robes. At the age of 13, she could discuss very complex theological ideas with anyone. She married a minister, Samuel Wesley, whose history records us to be a diminutive man who had joined the Church of England. They married in 1688, and he did pastoral work. He was a chaplain, he did itinerant preaching work, and he was a rector for a parish church in Lincolnshire, England. Now, I say that only to set the context that she was married to a preacher, to a pastor, to a full-time ministry service person. Her primary work was mothering. Her primary work was mothering. And I think you're probably saying, well, yeah, duh, she had 10 children. She had 19 pregnancies. Of course, her primary work was mothering. And yet, she had a universal acclaim for what was a very unusual, yet a very important part of what's going on in our culture. Not only our 21st century culture, but pandemic culture. Okay? Now, this is a woman who lived 350 years ago, and I'm still struck with that as I've thought about this this last week in preparing for today, because she was a homeschooler in the 1600s. No, she didn't have any computers. No, they didn't have any private places. I always feel um, the, the sense of homeschooling parents in the early in the early days of homeschooling in America again. You know, we went through the agrarian culture when everybody was homeschooled, and then the one-room schoolhouse, and then the bigger schools, and now everybody goes to either private school or charter school or or, or school in the city. And, and we, we, that we've, But in the last 25 or 30 years, homeschooling has made a comeback. Now, a lot of reasons for that, and some of you will say, is because the poor quality of public education. I'm not here to say why. I'm here to say that homeschooling has made a comeback. But this is a woman who 350 years ago was homeschooling because that that were the option. That were the option. And I often hear homeschooling mothers say to me, yeah, I do homeschooling most days between 9 and 11, and then, and they read a lot. And then we take field trips a lot. And, and uh, listen, they're still getting an education. And I often say to a mom who says I'm a stay-at-home mom, who is homeschooling, well, you're not quite a stay-at-home mom because you're a principal and an administrator of the school that you have at home. Well, of the Wesley children, 10 of them, there were seven girls and three boys. And she had her system for all 10 of the children. And her system was arduous. That's the only word I could think of was arduous. They began by, at five years old on their fifth birthday. They began learning the alphabet. 
And as soon as they learned the alphabet, they began reading the first chapter of Genesis. Now, we know from history and novels that the Bible was read as a book, and some families, that's all they had. And that's where they learned to read and write and arithmetic, so to speak. Her syllabus included grammar, history, mathematics, geography, and theology. Her schedule, are you ready for this one, girls? Are you ready? Homeschoolers, are you listening to this one? Nine till noon, five days a week with a daily break between noon and two, and then back to school from two till five. She did that for 20 years with her own children. I don't know why. I don't think any of you are as speechless as I am. I'm, I'm just speechless because... In addition to that, she had no electricity, no washing machine, no computers. She sewed. She was notoriously wonderful about writing letters. She was a legend. She kept the household accounts. She cared for a garden. I know you're going to say, well, she had 10 willing helpers, or maybe not so willing helpers, but they were helpers. In addition to that, she spent one hour a week with every one of her children, a one-hour meeting that she had with every one of her children outside of school time. You want to do the math there? And I think, how did she get all of that done? Well, her very prayer, which implies that she wanted to be exercising in prayer and meditation everywhere that she was. And there's a legend about her uh, that uh, we, we taught about this years ago and for a while even offered a product online which uh, was for moms because what Susanna Wesley did, first of all, her itinerant preacher, a husband, did not make a lot of money. The records indicate that, that she really, they skimped and scraped and it was hard for her and he would be gone for long periods of time and she would be there taking care of the children and taking care of the school and the household accounts as well. But she had always wore an apron. And when it came time for her prayer closet, I, who have this wonderful place that was called a prayer closet, didn't have windows my husband created for me. And I, I remember thinking one day, and Susanna Wesley's prayer closet was her apron. She would pull her apron up over her head. And like the grandma who told me years ago, no child in her house was ever hungry or thirsty till mama had finished praying. She trained the children, and she trained her children that when it was time for mama to pray, whatever that was about, in a house with 10 children, she would lift her apron over her head, and the house would be quiet. Her husband noted that of all things, it was her patience that allowed the children to thrive. He observed, watching her one time, that she had told one piece of information 20 times to the same child within an afternoon, 20 times. Patience. This is a profound gift, and I fear I found myself growing less and less patient. And I wonder why. And I've been examining it for myself. Why am I less patient now? I'm older. I should be wiser. I should be more patient. And I think part of it is all around me there is impatience and a greater, deeper desire for speed. 
Now, we have cable television, and um, I'm sure a lot of you do also. And I called the cable company for some help, and she said, well, we, we'll just reboot it, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. And then she said, but it will take 15 seconds. And did you hear how I said that? It will take, but it will take 15 seconds. And I stopped her, and I said, do people complain about it? Oh, she said, yes. In three seconds, they want to know it hasn't come up yet. So she's had that so often that in part of her patter, she says to the person on the other end of the telephone, this will take 15 seconds. Be patient. Be patient for 15 seconds. And I thought, oh, I'm not like that. But then I found myself on an Amazon screen not long ago, and I pushed the button, and you know, it's supposed to immediately and it didn't and I, it didn't for seconds just seconds and I found myself push 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 I pushed the button three times I thought well, that's what she means by that I'm pushing the advance button because the screen did not light up exactly immediately and I thought lord why am I not patient? Why am I losing my patience? I'm not blaming this on my culture. I'm blaming this on myself. Yes, the patient factor and the need for speed, um, and we demand more and more speed, and we want more and more to be done. And then I went to the scripture, and I went to all the places that God calls us to wait on him. Why is it that we are people called to wait on God? But we have not become very proficient on waiting on how God will do whatever he's going to do first, or God will allow us to wait on someone else who's a part of his creation. Recently, I was in my study, and I felt this racing inside of me. And I realized I was reading his word, and I was racing to get to the concept and I, I wasn't ingesting anything. You know, you're reading the Bible and waiting, just reading the Bible, being with God, and I was trying to figure out what, what it was all about. What's the concept? And I felt this racing. And I thought, hmm, that's where my impatience shows the most. And I decided I'd mention it to you as well. Is your impatience affecting your relationships? Uh, is your impatience affecting your relationships? Her children took this gift of understanding that once a week they were going to talk to mama for an hour a week. An hour. An hour a week. Each child of Susanna and Samuel Wesley has... Uh, a vita, a bio that is incredible. It reads like who's who of anywhere. Formal dis degrees and competencies of the children, even the girls who could not go to college, could not go to college because girls were not allowed to go to college. One of their children, whose name was Hetty, um, was able to read Latin and Greek at the age of nine. Now, the interesting piece about this child was she was exceptionally bright and learned all of these things very early. And um, she had a suitor. And the suitor, uh, according to the history record, took her off. She went with him, believing it was to be marriage. They had literally one night together, and he disappeared the next morning. 
she came back to her parents' home broken, Samuel, her father, who history records is a very, was a narrow, rigid, self-righteous man, and he was very embarrassed by what happened. He was so embarrassed by it that the very next single man who happened to be an illiterate plumber became her husband. And more than that, he dismissed her. Um, they were never in relationship and never, ever reconciled. I mention this because it's one of many incidents that are recorded in the Wesley's um, history. But I thought, Susanna Wesley was industrious. She was hardworking. She was patient. She was clever. She trained her children. She was married to a man who wasn't altogether perfect. Does that sound like something where you live? Does that sound like the country? Uh, people that you live in. It certainly sounds like a lot of women that I hear from. Charles and John Wesley, as I said earlier, are the founders of the Methodist Church. If you belong to the Methodist Church, then part of your history is Susanna Wesley herself. And how did that happen? These two sons went off to college because men could go to college, and they wrote back and said, Mother, all of the boys want to know your methods, the methods that you use to teach us. Will you write them down for us? And she did. And she shared them. And the boys began to share her methods with men and their dorms. And then they began to teach and preach. John declared his mother to be a preacher of righteousness. And that piece of her... Um, is the last piece I'd like to mention today about her. Because Susanna started something called the Kitchen Services. Now Samuel, her husband, was the preacher in their church. They obviously went to that rectory. And um, he was away, and he was providing pulpit supply. But Susanna did not think that the pulpit supply was good enough for the children. And so she decided that Sunday morning they would go to church together, and on Sunday night she would have church with the children. Ten children, that's a pretty good-sized church for some of us. And um, she would preach and teach. And her husband wasn't there, and she was the teacher-preacher. And soon people began to hear about it. She, they read the Psalms, they had music, there was a message. And then a friend wanted to know if they could come, and then another friend, and then another friend. And at one point, there were 200 people crowding into the kitchen space, what began to be called Susanna's Kitchen Services. Of course, this was an insult to the rector at the church and an insult to her husband. And her husband said that she had to desist. And now we have some history of him, who was a rather rigid man. And uh, what she did was brilliant. She gathered skirts and gave logical objections, and then said to him finally, if you make me, I will. But if you will appear one day before the great tribunal, you will be held responsible for the canceling of these meetings. <laughs> now that's very churchy talk. Oh, but to a preacher, she was being a logical, objective wife, and her son said and that they continued with a practical divinity. Her parenting, her school methods were written and spread abroad, and you can read a biography of hers, and I hope I would encourage you to do that. Later in her life, she had a voice to enter theological dialogues, and I found all of her life fascinating and inspiring. And in many ways, I think it's an answer 
to the women's rights questions that we so often hear about us. It seems that Susanna was patient. She was patient in practical divinity. She was patient with her children. She was patient with her husband. And she did what she prayed. She prayed that she would be everywhere present to what God was calling her to do. And she overcame the culture she lived in 350 years ago. I am a woman who has been in women's ministries for 35 years. I don't know how many women have come to me and said, I want my rights. I want to do what I want to do. And why is he more important than I'm more important? And I don't want to take care of the children all the time. He should take care of the children all the time. And I'm not saying any family should do anything differently than what your family agrees to do. But remember that you can overcome your cultural pressures. You can overcome. You can do that without being loud and difficult without causing a problem to your family or to your church family. We've spent a lot of years trying to encourage women to be a woman of faith, a wife, a mother, and a homemaker who recognizes their place in God. This woman, Susanna Wesley, inspires me. She inspires me to the passage that is most important to me, perhaps of all of the scripture, I'm not sure I can say that totally, but it is the one found in Matthew. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Susanna Wesley lived her life like that with no comforts um, of the style we are accustomed to. And she appears to have gained favor with God and man and family and friend. Perhaps this is a day for you to consider. Is there a part of Susanna Wesley's history, her story, her account, her actions that would appeal to you in the 21st century? I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of showing patience. <laughs>